This is Dr. Baba Kazizadeh. You are listening to the Smile Podcast, where I will be sharing with you my unique and holistic perspective on beauty, health, and wellness. Hello. <laughs> Millions of people have surgery every year. Or you could just get a boob job. Using targeted Botox can be a miracle. Smiling like that is a skill. Your surgery has been successful. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Smile Podcast. I'm Dr. Azizadeh, and um, this podcast, as you know, is about beauty, health, and wellness. And a big part of health and wellness, I believe, is mental health and wellness, which is not talked about a lot. So today I have a very, very special guest, uh, Katrine Dardashti, who has been a dear friend and one of the top mental health experts, and I'm really excited to have her on this uh, episode. Welcome, Katrine, and thank you for coming. Thank you for having me on Smile. It's a pleasure to be on with you. All right. Awesome. Awesome. So, Katrine, um, we're going to have her tell us a little bit about her background, but basically today what we want to kind of focus on is really the impact of coronavirus on mental wellness and um, therapy and seeing what that, you know, the stay at home and all the changes that we're going to go through over the next few months are going to have impact. So Katrine, first tell us a little bit about your background. You and I, by the way, we've known each other for almost 30 years. (laughs) I know we met when we were in college and uh, we've stayed close and we're just like family friends and colleagues and I rely on Katrine for my uh, mental wellness whatever I'm going crazy with something I call her up and uh, she's just wonderful very even keeled very wise and so tell us a little bit about your background and then we can get into coronavirus Okay. Um, I went to Cal State Northridge for my undergrad and I majored in child development and psychology. Then for graduate school, I attended Pepperdine University um, and I got my master's in clinical psychology with an emphasis on marriage, family therapy. Um, And then I've done, I did a lot of um, internships at um, Juvenile Hall where I worked with young children from ages about seven, believe it or not, till about 15. Um, I also did internships at Verdugo Mental Health Center where I worked with severely uh, emotionally disturbed patients. Um, and I also worked at the Maple Center where you know, I worked mainly with you know, run-of-the-mill depression, anxiety, couples therapy. And then I've been in private practice for about 20 years. And during those 20 years, I was a consultant at Lannerman Regional Center, which the regional centers in California serve um, children and adults with developmental disabilities, which includes cerebral palsy, Down syndrome, autism, seizure disorder, uh, intellectual disabilities. Um, So I was a consultant for 12 years, and that really sparked my interest and my passion in working with clients with patients with disabilities, developmental disabilities. So that is my main practice. I work with mainly young adults, teens, and adults with developmental disabilities, and I work with their families. I do a lot of consultations with their families, um, and I love it. 
must be hard now. How, what do you, what has changed for you in the past few weeks and the way that you see your clients and other therapists are seeing their clients? Obviously everyone has a different, um, you know, practice type. Some people are very, very boutique, private, you know, and others are, you know, helping more. For, for some of the patients, it's been very challenging because uh, of their developmental disability, especially if they have, you know, moderate intellectual disability or moderate autism. Um, it's, they're not so savvy in, you know, remembering, you know, it's time to have a Zoom meeting or I need to schedule my session. Um, and on top of that, they've been home. So, they have had their programs, most of their programs have been closed. So they're, um, they're very restless. So sitting and, and doing a therapy session can be quite challenging. So are you using these video formats for all of your clients or are you going in and seeing some of them? What have you done in so the last few weeks? What, what are we like 60, 65 days into... Yeah. Uh, this uh, pandemic for the first up, actually up until yesterday yesterday I saw my first client in person um, of course wearing masks and sitting six feet apart which was hard for her also um, but no we've been I've been using zoom FaceTime telephone text what, whatever the clients can mainly is the most feasible for them but zoom has been the main the main um, mode of therapy which is, you know, it's, it's not ideal for in therapy in psychotherapy, being in person, you, you get to, it's a totally different feeling and different um, modality, right? The connection, you can't the it's relationship that in yeah. person. So do you feel like that's going to be obviously in your practice, hopefully you're going to go back, but do you feel like, um, you know, as we move more and more to telecommuting, uh, telework, you know, telehealth, how's that going to impact people? And how's that going to impact the connection between people? So, uh, you know, for my patients with developmental disabilities, a lot of them also already have severe anxiety uh, in, with uh, autism and intellectual disabilities, quite a number of the patients already have pretty, pretty intense anxiety. Um, and this has just exasperated their anxiety and the unknown and, and the fear of not knowing what's going to happen day to day. But the one good thing, which is also what I tell the patients is to not focus on, you know, all the bad, but to also focus on the good and the positive is that they, they really they really realize now how important being with other humans and that human oh, connection. Wow. So they miss, they miss therapy. They miss being at their programs. They miss seeing their doctor. They miss seeing their friends. Um, so I think that's been a good thing for them in some ways, um, you know, in terms of things to be grateful for, gratitude. Um, but in terms of how therapy is going to change, um, I think, you know, Zoom, Google Meet, Face, it's, it's definitely an option now. Whereas I think most therapists, you know, your, your client would come to your, to your office, your practice, or you go to, you know, um, if, I, if I'm seeing a, a client at a program or at their job site. But um, 
I think it's, it'll, it'll be an option for some clients, especially if they're sick, they're not feeling well, instead of canceling, do a Zoom session. Yeah. And how is this going to impact like group therapy? Because like AA meetings and other types of, you know, uh, treatments that were really based on people sitting around and talking about their issues. How do you feel like the social distancing and wearing masks and not being able to see people's expressions are going to impact that type of treatment? So I have some patients who are in AA and they've been doing Zoom meetings. Um, what's interesting though is um, that the, um, the person running the meeting is able to kick them out, whereas in regular AA meetings, they're not oh. able to do that. So that's, that's been hard. Um, not being able to see people's facial expressions, um, it's, it's, it's a challenge because, you know, especially with the population I work with, but just in general, um, body language, facial language, smiling, um, you know, all we rely on that to kind of know how to interact as humans. Mm. You know, this is a smile podcast. I yeah. Think it's really important. <laughs> no, I agree. You know, I was thinking because we're, um, you know, seeing patients with masks and, you know, both the patient and myself have masks on. And obviously if there's, you know, I'm evaluating something around their nose or face or mouth or smile, you know, they have to take that off. But I feel like part of the connection between a patient and a doctor is kind of lost. And so I'm like looking at buying these like space suits that actually I could see the whole, they could see my face because that that's kind of like, the magic touch between a doctor or a care, you know, physician or a therapist and their yeah. and their clients. So um, definitely, I think, I think that facial expressions are a big part of human connection. You know, we if we see someone smiling at us, we feel more comfortable approaching them versus if somebody you know has a blank look or has an angry look on their face. Um, luckily for my patients, people with disabilities are exempt; they don't have to wear masks if they don't want to. Okay, so. I haven't told them that, <laughs> but slowly they will figure it out. Okay, good, good. Okay, so I want to get into, because I'm curious, and what I've tried to do with these podcasts that are really focused on coronavirus is really satisfy my own curiosity. And so I've been thinking, and you know, I have two teenagers at home, and I've seen the impact, you know, of, um, you know, shelter and stay at home and not being able to go to their sports or school or friends is really beginning to impact them. I really feel like at some point there is essentially the uh, benefit ratio of, you know, coronavirus versus potential impact on mental and physical wellness. And we've talked in other podcasts about people who are not getting their preventative medical care and so forth because of this. And at some point, you're going to cause more harm by being, you know, shelter at home or not being out there than, than good. So I've been very curious from your expertise, what you've noticed. And I want to kind of go into three categories of people. One, teenagers. I have two teenagers at home. You have teenagers at home. I want to know what you think this is going to have just short term and long term on teenagers. And then later, I want to also talk about the adults and the elderly, because I feel like we're all kind of in a different boat. Yeah. So I have three teenagers at home, 19, 17, and 14 on Monday. 
Um, Happy birthday. Definitely, I see a difference even between the genders. I, I see a big difference. Like for my daughter, Sophie, who's 17, um, she's done. She is done with this whole uh, pandemic. She, she doesn't even care anymore. Whereas maybe three weeks ago, she was still being very cautious. And she still is being cautious. But um, yes, their social emotional health is, I think, just as important as their physical health. And being a teenager, you know, they thrive developmentally. They thrive being with their friends. It's not a time for them to be with us necessarily. And, you know, it's, they always have their door closed and they're always out. So we've taken that completely away. You know, they still have the social media, but it's not the same. They're doing Zoom parties and whatever, but it's not the same. So you know, this has been going on for over two months and it's summer, you know, which is. End of the school year, yeah. they're ready to go. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think each family has to make an individual decision. Uh, you know, I, I would definitely gather accurate information and make your decisions based on your own family needs. I don't think everybody should be doing everything else everybody else is doing. If you see your teenager, you, you're noticing, you know, little signs of maybe, you know, feeling isolated, lonely, depression, and those signs are if you're seeing that they're not eating as much, maybe oversleeping, missing classes in the morning, um, kind of keeping more to themselves, not even Zooming or FaceTiming or texting friends, by all means, let them see their friends, you know, of course, take precautions, but it's for them, it's everything. Yeah. So my, my recommendation to parents is, yeah. Um, let your kids be with their friends if they're able to, because they need it. They need even, you know, even an hour a day, even a half an hour a day, even every other, anything is better than nothing. Um, and as things start opening up in Los Angeles, I think they'll have more and more stuff to do, which will be great for them because right now they, they sit in the trunks of their cars, you know, six feet apart, or they go to the park, you know, and they sit picnic and um, there isn't a whole lot open for them to do, but by all means, their social and emotional health for teenagers is of utmost importance. When do you know? I couldn't emphasize that enough. Yeah. Because when they're socially, emotionally happy, they're happy in every other way. When do you know when they should, and some people have never experienced it, right? Their kids have been happy-go-lucky. Yeah. They've been stressing out, obviously, teenagers or, you know, they go through a lot of emotional ups and downs and so forth. But when do you think this type of situation may be like, look, it's a little more than what they sh and they need some help, you know, someone like yourself or an expert to get involved uh, in this process. So I think if one of the biggest things I think for teenagers is if their grades drop, if you see a, a big decline in their grades, um, again, if they're kind of isolating, um, they're not even contacting their friends, or if you ask them, you know, how's so-and-so friend doing? And they're like, oh, I don't know, I don't care. Um, if they're not eating, or maybe even overeating, for some kids, um, usually anxiety causes more overeating than depression, but for some kids, depression can also cause it also. Um, if they're oversleeping or not sleeping at all you know some kids they're they're not sleeping much at all because they're on screen time screen time a lot um but those are those are the main things to really look for if you're hearing you know even if, if they're expressing anything like oh you know 
this is never going to end. I'm, I'm, I know this isn't going to end. Um, just maybe some thoughts of like not having much hope or feeling really helpless. Um, and one of the things I think that also really helps both adults and teenagers is I always say, if you're feeling helpless, help somebody else. You know, there's a lot of people in need, a lot. There's always somebody who is in a much worse situation than you are, and that even you reaching out to them by phone, by virtual um, meeting, um, dropping off groceries for them, um, you know, whatever, whatever it is they need. You know, um, there's helping somebody else will definitely make you feel like you're, you, don't, you won't feel as helpless because helplessness is one of the worst feelings. And with this pandemic, all of us feel somewhat helpless because we don't know what happens from day to day, right? Yeah. So, but definitely teenagers, I, I would recommend, you know, again, each family can make their own decision individually, depending if you have, you know, older grandparents that you wanna be mindful of, you know, or, yeah. you know, maybe the kids don't see the grandparents if they're seeing their friends because yeah. really that's very important to the kids right now. Maybe they do virtual meetings with a grand, virtual time with the grandparents for a while, but um, it's hard. Okay. Everyone's feeling really um, isolated. Okay, now adults. Oh, adults. I would say, you know, you have two groups. I kind of like the millennials that you know, are a little bit, they're, you know, out of college or out of, you know, graduate school and, you know, they're in that group. And then you have, you know, individuals like ourselves who are married and have kids. What's happening with them? Um, a couple of things I'd love for you to talk about because, and they're unfortunately really depressing subjects, but we've, you know, we've seen in the news uh, maybe an increased risk of suicide, you know, what are the divorce rates going to be? Is it going to be more or less? I'd love for you to comment on those, those few things as well. Yeah, I think um, for adults, um, you know, I think couples who are kind of already on the fringe of maybe having issues or already having issues, and then they were forced to spend a lot of time together. Um, it could go one or two ways, you know, it could go where, you know, they really are able to focus and spend time and communicate, but typically it doesn't. T typically because they are under stress from the pandemic, you know, and it could be financial stress also, um, but it could be the relationship stress. It could be a multitude of things. It could be, you know, their children are also not doing well or they're having to homeschool their kids through, you know, the virtual. A lot of parents of young kids have to sit with them during the school day. That's stressful. Oh. Um, so... You know, I think especially during the pandemic with, you know, a lot of people are going through financial crisis. Um, and the longer this goes on, the worse it gets, obviously. Um, I, I think that, you know, it's, it's a great time to reach out for help. Um, don't stay silent. If you, as a couple or individually, you, you, need, you feel like you need to talk to someone, um, you know, and it could be just you're, you're feeling... Um, a little hopeless about when this is all going to end. Hopeless and helpless. Those are the two and things, helpless, right? Yeah. Hopeless and helpless. Um, so I, for adults, um, risk of suicide, I think, 
finance, I mean, if somebody really loses everything, of course, the, the risk of suicide goes up for, for almost anybody, but adults are, are also prone to it. It's not, you know, usually the suicide rates are, are high for teenagers and elderly people. But again, this is, you know, these unusual times, it's kind of like the, you know, back similar to the depression where people lost everything. And a lot of people already have, you know, there's, I've seen myself, People have like storefronts, they've taken their stuff and left. They've closed down their business. Um, so su suicide is, a, is, a, is definitely something that is on the forefront. And I think if you, as an adult, you have friends or family members that are going through financial stress or relationship stress, definitely reach out. I encourage them to see someone, encourage them to talk to them, to someone for them to talk to, you know, um, don't keep silent. Uh, at some, at some level, everyone's feeling yeah. some anxiety, level of anxiety and some level of stress. It's just on, on what, you know, spectrum. Um, what do people do to essentially make this time from a mental wellness, a positive one. What I like, one of the things that you said is when you're helpless, you know, be helpful. Go, but what else can adults do? So, so what I've been telling kids? my patients is, you know, and it's kind of, I sound like a broken record because it's been going on for so long, but you know, you set up a routine for yourself. It might be a new routine. You know, you might be used to getting up and going to work, well, now you're home, but set up a nice positive routine for yourself, whether that's getting up with a cup of coffee in the newspaper or um, try not to read too much news, actually. <laughs> one of the things I'm going to say. The first week up, or two, I was down. like, news jumping. Um, now I'm like, I yeah. don't know what's going on. Um, exercise, you know, get out there. Get in, get out there with some fresh air. Exercise builds your immune system. It's, it's good for the mind. It decreases stress. Um, meditate. Connect with people like we're talking about. Connect with friends. Connect with family. Um, you know, I went through my phone lists when this first started, and I went through and I looked at everybody who I know lives alone. I reached out to them. Oh. I reached out to see, do you need anything? Do you want? Are you okay? How are you? So you know, and I've tried to do that once or twice during. I haven't been consistent every week, but um, do okay. that. Um, eat healthy. Eat healthy. I know a lot of people have been drinking and they're like doing Zoom, you know, cocktail hours. Yeah. And that's okay too, but try to limit it because it does bring down your immune system. Um, avoid smoking if you can. Um, so be, be active and create be a routine. Active, be helpful, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, that's what I've done. I feel like, you know, I have like go for outdoor walks, you know, and a little bit more secluded areas. I love coffee, have my coffee in the morning. Yeah, me too. Uh, and um, just have a routine so that you don't get, yeah. you know, exercise, meditate. Yeah. And also, I, I would really caution people, limit the amount of news you're reading or watching. Yeah. And make sure you're getting accurate information. Yeah, um, that's, I think that's a big, big stressful process. Huge. Because it's every huge. news item is about coronavirus and... All there's nothing else on right now. Yeah, there's nothing there's else. Oh, so, good feel news segment. 
you know, yeah. at least in the past, we could see something like somebody being helpful, somebody going somewhere and helping others. Now it just doesn't feel like those, that's news anyone wants to listen. How about for our parents and, you know, the grandparents and the, you know, the, the people who I think are, in a sense, the most vulnerable, both yeah. physically and in a sense translates into emotionally. And they're like, they're seeing like, well, you know, the, the they're seeing the end is much closer than they, they thought it would be. And it's stressful. So what do you recommend, um, you know, as a society, what, you know, they, you know, they should do for their mental wellness and, you know, how this has impacted them? Um, yeah, you know, I, and I think most grandparents have never even experienced anything like this pandemic either. They, they have not, in their lifetime, they haven't experienced this. So um, they are at highest risk, of course. So, and, and I've had grandparents tell me, you know what, I'm, I, I just wanna see my grandkids. I don't care if I die. I just wanna be able to hold them. I just want to be able to kiss them. But again, I think this is a, a situation where each family has to make their own decision. But I, you know, my recommendation would be, you know, go sit in the front of front lawn or the backyard with, you know, beach chairs and um, don't stay away. Don't stay away. Uh, do whatever you can. Pick up groceries for them if, if they need groceries, you know, if they... Um, whatever they need maybe picking up. And, and, and a lot of elderly people are actually tired of staying home also. Um, I myself probably see the most number of elderly people walking. I think the number one um, population out there walking yeah. is the elderly, which is great for them because I think they're getting more exercise. Um, encourage your grandparents, your parents to go get exercise, go out, get some fresh air, you know, meet with their friends but just, you know, stay cautious. Um, neighbors, you know, I mean, this is a good time to get to know your neighbors. You I know? feel like that's been one of the positives. We yeah. now know our neighbors. Yeah, you know, and that would encourage parents, the elderly, yeah. you know, that's, that's one thing. Get, you know, your, get to know your elderly neighbors and help out any way they can, you can. Um, but I think, you know, if we kind of think about, Teenagers, adults, and the elderly population, yes, their needs are different, but in the end, we all need human connection, right? We all need that human relationship to survive. And I think that's one of, been one of the big things that's come out of this is that um, people need each other. People yeah. need human relationships, human connections. You need to be able to reach out to people and you need to be able to see people and be with people. Um, you, you can't just live with social media and your computer and your phone. I think that's one of the things I hear from friends and my kids and young adults that, oh my God, I really have realized that, you know, the touch, the connections are so important. And I think that had been lost for a little bit of time or taken for granted. I think it's taken for granted, yeah. yeah. And, you know, social media is here to stay. It's not going anywhere. But maybe this will hopefully make, especially teenagers, but also adults. I know some adults who are addicted to social media. Yeah. Um, maybe it will limit their time spent because after a certain amount of time, it's kind of a waste of time. And it definitely is an addiction. You know, there are people who oh. are on their phone scrolling for hours. Um, maybe this will help them limit it or put, you know, 
put it into, like you said, a perspective kind of that, okay, I need, I, this is great. Maybe I'll limit myself to 15 minutes in the morning, 15 minutes at night, but that's it. Um, but yeah, we all, we need, we need humans. Humans need humans. Well, on that note, I want to thank you. Uh, Katrine is, uh, you know, I hope everyone who's listened can see her wisdom, her uh, knowledge about uh, mental wellness. And I want to really thank you. This has been amazing. I think this is a really, really useful segment that many people need to listen to because even though a lot of it is common sense, you know, it, it's something we forget often and we, we need to be aware of. Just on a, on a last note, one thing, I think, you know, pre-pandemic, um, people who were, had anxiety or depression or sadness had a really hard time telling, you know, friends or family or reaching out to people. And another one maybe good thing that's come out of it, because everybody's kind of in the same boat, is um, people are reaching out more. People are expressing their vulnerabilities more. So, you know, again, don't stay silent. Everyone's going through the same thing. Everyone understands. And if people didn't understand before, they understand now. They get it because the whole world has experienced this now. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I hope, again, our viewers and listeners share this podcast with their loved ones and their friends because I think there's a lot to learn for all, uh, all age groups. And uh, I want to thank you again, Katrin. Uh, Daradashti practices in Los Angeles, and she is a wonderful, wonderful, amazing human being and a great friend, and I want to thank you, and I want to thank our listeners for being on the show today, and uh, I look forward to seeing you guys soon. Thanks again, Katrin. You're welcome. Thanks, Bob. All right. Bye.